Hello and welcome to Connect FCS Ed, where we talk about family and consumer science education. This podcast is geared towards recruiting, maintaining, and supporting all FCS educators. I am your host, Barbara Scully, and I am here to help boldly celebrate with you families and careers. Hello and welcome back to Connect FCS Ed. I'm your host, Barb Scully, and today I have an amazing guest with me, Mary Bohr, who is professor at North Dakota State University, NDSU, and she teaches family consumer sciences at the university, both master's and undergraduate. She has also partnered with Great Plains IDEA program, university uh, hybrid extension, all of that. And she is just here to talk about what she does and how she does things remotely, virtually, and promoting our classes. So welcome and thank you so much, Marie. Thank you for inviting me to be here. So yes, give us your background. I just kind of did a huge, you know, just kind of tunnel of what it is, but please tell us about you. Well, I am originally from North Dakota, and I have lived here my entire life. Grew up in a small town up in northern North Dakota and went to NDSU to get my bachelor's degree at at the time in home economics education. And I taught at a small school in North Dakota for three years and then a little bit larger school, Mandan, for 11 years after that. While I was teaching in Mandan, I also pursued my master's degree in Family Consumer Sciences Education from NDSU, and my PhD in Teaching and Learning Higher Education from the University of North Dakota. After I finished that up, opening happened to come up at NDSU, my alma mater, and so I decided, well, I would absolutely love to be there, so applied and got a position as the Family Consumer Sciences Teacher Educator there, and I just finished my 15th year. I am the only FCS teacher educator in North Dakota. And so anyone who needs to get a license, we figure out a way to work with them to get them licensed to teach. But we also have a lot of students from Minnesota as well. Oh, wow. There's a whole lot of information. What is, I guess, you being the only one, how come you're the only one? (laughs) (laughs) It's just the size of our state, basically. Um, actually, South Dakota just has one person. Minnesota just has one program as well. And so, but yeah, just because of the size of the program, hopefully we can start growing it. And with projects such as this, with getting more information out and more promoting of family consumer sciences, hopefully we have a need for more than one person. Exactly. No, that we need to grow our programs. That's what this whole, this project is all about, you know, promoting. At the undergraduate level, how many students do you have going through your program right now? Usually we have somewhere between six to 10 people who student teach per year. I think right now it's our numbers are a little bit smaller, so we need to start working on that recruitment again from the... A lot of times we get more people who change their majors than actual freshmen who come in majoring in the program. But yeah, around six to 10 a year is pretty pretty much our average. And that might be a little bit more than that, too, if you include our students who are in the Great Plains IDEA program who are working on getting their licensure through that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's me. I'm going through that Great Plains program to get my license, but in Washington State. 
How many? Oh gosh, I know the numbers for Washington State through my uh, home campus, but what is how is the program going for you at the master's level? You know, through Great Plains uh, through your state. It's been going really pretty good, and it's a great opportunity for those who can't come to an institution to become licensed. This fall, I'll actually have three people who will be student teaching in the Great Plains program, whose home school is North Dakota State. Okay. Two of them are technically in North Dakota, so even though they're, they're here, they can't physically get to Fargo because of other life and work commitments. But, so they'll be finishing up. And then the third one is out in Connecticut. She is actually, it's kind of funny because I had another person out in Connecticut about probably about five years ago, and she is doing her student teaching basically at the same place as this other person had been too. Oh, neat. They yes. actually had a chance to meet each other and talk about the program and everything. So oh, good. Yeah. That's always exciting when, you know, and it also just kind of shows, you know, how small the world is becoming just due to, you know, the social media different programs, you know, we get to meet so many amazing people. How have you enjoyed, you know, working in partnering with Great Plains? I started working with the Great Plains as soon as I came to NDSU. Our dean was one of the people that was on like the board and was working. She was one of the people working on getting the family consumer sciences program started and everything. So as soon as I got there, she encouraged me to get involved. And it was awesome as far as we talked before about me being the only person in North Dakota doing this. I instantly had seven other people who I could communicate with, people who had been doing, you know, FCS teacher education for a long time. And so actually it was really helpful just for me personally to be involved with that. And we've had multiple publications and presentations together and it's just been a really great opportunity to network and work with others. And we like to have fun when we're together, too. So that's always great. I think it's so good for the students, too, to have a variety of other FCS professionals and professors to have as their instructors instead of just one person, too. And so it's yeah, I know. really enjoy being part of that. Yeah. What class in particular do you teach at NDSU? I teach the Teaching with Technology class, and I've done curriculum at some times. I also do the, I think it's called Adolescent Development through the Great Plains, and Advising FCCLA. I think those are kind of my the main ones that I do every other year or so. Now, do you work with Nicole Graves? We collaborate on quite a few things. Yep, she's down at South Dakota State University. Yeah, because yeah, I took the technology with FCS yes. class last summer, in fact, uh, and Nicole Graves was my instructor. And yeah. I have to say, that was probably one of my favorite classes that throughout all of this, just because I love technology and I love integrating technology with my lessons for my students. And yeah, I was able to really showcase, you know, my my knowledge. And so that was really exciting for me. I think we both get that a lot, actually. And I think it's because a lot of times it's something that people can use right away. Mm-hmm. I love teaching that class, too. And, of course, we had to take it to kind of a whole new level this year, not knowing what types of um, technology the teachers would be needing during this upcoming school year, if they would be you know, 
we talked a lot more about teaching online than I have in previous years, just because in previous years, it wasn't really thought of as, you know, being necessary or even possible sometimes. (laughs) Yes, no, I agree. I've been a part of a summer CTE conference the last couple of days. And, you know, now we're pivoting and kind of, and I love it. I I just posted on my social media thinking it was hilarious because, (laughs) you know, this school year is brought to you by Ross. Pivot! (laughs) (laughs) Education is pivoting and we are going into uncharted territories where, you know, I think a long time ago, we should have started shifting this mindset. And I think our CTE professionals who have come from that industry experience, they're really going to be taking off and flourishing because this is their wheelhouse. It's an exciting time to be a part of education, but also at the same time, you know, disheartening, you know, because there's, you know, a lot of anxiety that goes along with this. Right. Yeah. What makes me excited about this fall, though, is the teachers will actually have some time to plan. Whereas in the spring, it was just, it was crisis teaching, basically. Yeah. You know, what can we do to get through this year? There's a little bit more time to put some thought and, you know, more effort into figuring out, okay, what would be the best way to go about this? Yeah, no, I absolutely agree. So with you and your knowledge, you know, being a hybrid teacher and have done stuff, you know, online for quite a while, I guess, do you have any words of wisdom, you know, telling, you know, the audience about, you know, going into this COVID-19 fall? Some of the things that I find help students the most are being as organized as possible as far as having like on whatever learning management system they use, having assignments in the same place so students can go and find them easily, having the assignments submitted in the same way each time. If you put post something weekly, kind of have it have the same format or like a checklist type of format, something like that. If it changes a lot, the students are going to get a lot more confused. And so if you can make the technology part of it very organized and easy to follow, that that I think really helps a lot because then they aren't trying to figure things out. Instead, they're able to concentrate on actual content of what, what they're doing. That and extremely explicit instructions, especially if you aren't able to do a lot synchronously with the students. If they're, you know, if you aren't using Zoom or Google Teams or, you know, some of those things, if you, if everything is kind of written, you really need to make sure that the instructions are extremely detailed because otherwise you don't have those questions in the middle of class to answer and clarify. So you might want to think about, okay, what questions do students usually ask when I'm presenting this? And then make sure that that gets put into the instructions. I think that those are two kind of the biggest things that I feel really help make online class run more smoothly. That's great. I will be taking (laughs) those tips and really thinking about, you know, how I am cataloging my online platform for school for my students. So thank you for that. I guess uh, just trying to think off the cuff of my head and what has your favorite class been that you have taught throughout, you know, your 14 years as a high school teacher and 15 years as a professor, what has been your favorite? Is there any standout class and why? 
I think the technology one, as far as at the college level, I, I really like teaching about technology. I like using technology and I do like teaching online. I like making things very organized. <laughs> that that part I just I just really enjoy doing. When I was teaching at the high school level, I would have had to have said my freshman level class, not necessarily the whole class in general, but the part where we did sewing. I really enjoy teaching them how to sew because you got to work with them more one-on-one and kind of watch them struggle through things and watch them get frustrated, but then watch them be successful at the same time. And it was just a little bit more, more of a relaxed type time, but it was relaxed, but at the same time, they were very engaged because mm-hmm. they could all be doing something with their hands, which they don't always get to do in all classes. No, I agree. I taught, <laughs> well, I, I can't even say I taught. I learned alongside with my students my first year teaching. It was a sewing and fashion class or textiles and apparel, however you want to brand it. But it was a sewing class and I learned so much and my students did too. And it just goes to show, you know, it's that kinesthetic learning where, you know, you're putting your hands and how it's the slightest movement of working with your hands. It's going up into your brain. Mm -hmm. And I'm a kinesthetic learner. And so as I was working side by side with my students, you know, we were learning and we were growing together. And and I know my students really appreciated having (laughs) not a miss know it all (laughs) who was actually in the trenches trying to figure things out with them. That was exciting. It was fun too, because those students who didn't necessarily always do real well on book work and tests and things like that, they really excelled at sewing sometimes. Sometimes the kids that were just a little bit hyperactive or squirrely, had trouble paying attention, they would just sew the most beautiful projects because they, they were able to put their attention on that and do something that was that was hands-on. The straight-A kid next to them who was more into the book learning was, was struggling and not understanding why they couldn't get it, but the person beside them could. <laughs> so it was, that, it was just funny to see them realize that different people have different strengths. Yeah. Well, and then how they all, you know, they persevered and they, and those students who have not always been the, the strong book sense students, they were the ones coming over and helping the, the students. There was so much collaboration and problem solving and, you know, critical thinking, all of those 21st century skills that was all happening in a sewing class. And that was that was so exciting to see all of that. Definitely, yes. Oh, geez. I'm trying to think. What else? I guess for Great Plains, can we just explore why is Great Plains a great, yeah, Great Plains great. Why is Great Plains a great opportunity for educators to, you know, extend their professional learning? We have several positions in North Dakota that would not have ever been filled if it weren't for Great Plains. Um, People who wanted to teach facts, um, they decided this later in their life that they decided, you know, this is is really what I want to do. But at that point, they might have been married to a farmer who lived 200 miles away from the nearest institution and it just wouldn't work out for them. And so they're able to get all of their coursework online, the education classes, 
here at NDSU, all of their content classes are also available online, and so they could do it all from a distance. It's definitely not easy. Some people will say, oh, this is the uh, like the, the shortcut route or quick way to get a license. And no, it's not. <laughs> it's not a quick and easy way. But the teachers that we produce are, are very highly qualified to teach. And so they, they have all of the background that our undergraduates come out with. And so it's great for that. I mentioned earlier, the students have the opportunity to work with instructors from several different universities. And so they get more of a a wide experience and their classmates also are from over the whole United States. And so you're not just seeing what FCS is um, from just one local area, but you're seeing what it's like across the United States and sometimes even in other countries as well. So I think that that really gives them a broader perspective of of what FCS is. Yeah. How do you feel things have, because across the pond over in, you know, Europe, they still call it, you know, home economics. Yeah. Do you think there's a culture shift between family consumer sciences versus home economics? Because on a world platform, there is a um, home economics conference, I believe is actually coming to the United States mm-hmm. here this year. Is that correct? Do you think? I think it was supposed to be this year and I'm guessing it got. Yeah, it's probably going to be you know, yeah. virtual or something. Yeah. How can we partner? Because that's something that I've been continuously been thinking about. How can we merge the two greater goods into being one amazing platform, I guess. Yeah. And they still have the same focus. Um, I'm guessing that maybe in their countries, sometimes home economics doesn't have some of the same stereotypes, connotations, you know, that it did here in the United States. And so that's why they were more comfortable keeping their name. Yeah, just more communication globally with within the groups, with the international, I think it's International Home Economics Association that, you know, that we just need to keep working globally, no matter what they call it. It's still, it's still the same thing. It's helping people to live their lives in more productive, more satisfying ways. Yeah. Well, we're celebrating family and careers at the same time. And that's probably for me, that is the huge draw for me personally to teach family consumer science because family comes first and then everything else just kind of falls into place naturally. Correct. Yes. Yes. And hopefully people are seeing that as part of the pandemic as well. I know that some of the lessons that teachers had been sending, having their students do this spring things around the house, like, okay, you need to do some laundry at your house. You need to do some cooking, some things like that. And hopefully they're realizing that, okay, these are important skills. And I'm glad my, my son or daughter is being taught these things because now they're able to help out finances. People are do and will continue to need a lot of information on how to handle their finances correctly and budgeting and those types of things, which another area that we cover in family consumer sciences, relationships, Mm -hmm. the thing that's really been affected by all that's going on. Yeah, no, it's been 
gosh, there's, there's so much that goes with that, you know, the social and emotional learning, and then, you know, seeing going out to the grocery stores and seeing, you know, certain kids in the grocery store lines, that's been in knowing that they're not properly being taken care of, or looked after. And that's, as a mom, that has probably been the hardest seeing that. Like, <laughs> I, I don't know if you can hear it, but I can. My downstairs, my, my boys are playing Xbox. And <laughs> I, yes, I allow Xbox to babysit my kids from time to time and more times than I really should right now. But <laughs> being honest, <laughs> but they're, you know, loud and being very active downstairs. So, but at the same time, I am a good mom is what I, at least I tell myself and because I engage with them and I do other activities and, and I take away the Xbox quite regularly <laughs> going, all right, we're on Xbox timeout for a couple mm-hmm. of days. Mm-hmm. Got to come up with something else to do. But mom, I'm bored. No, <laughs> figure it out. <laughs> I know my undergraduate students are excited to come back to campus. A lot of them do plan to physically back on campus if, you know, at all possible. So, but at the same time, I do have several advisees I've heard from who have asked me, okay, can we, can we make, change my schedule so everything is online? You know, can we move some classes around so that, you know, different semesters so I can just be online this summer because they have various needs of why they don't want to be back on campus at this point. So, but luckily they still want to continue with their, their schooling. Yeah. No, it's important, but also having that routine. Oh my gosh, that's something yeah. I miss. My kids miss having that that sense of normalcy, and then we have to now we have to completely rely on our own, you know, time management yeah. instead of having somebody else plan something and then okay, this is what I have to do next. Yeah, yeah. One of my undergraduates told me that she, um, I think she lives about twenty or thirty miles from Fargo, and so. She's like, well, if I can do it online, I know I'm going to be a lot more tempted to do that, but I know I should drive there because I pay attention better when I'm actually there. So she's like, I might need to have rely on my friends to bug me to make sure that I am driving in and that I am doing what I'm what I'm supposed to be doing because it's it's hard for them to it's hard for adults to have that self discipline to do that much of your education online. Yeah. And that's, you know, when talking about, you know, Great Plains, it's definitely not easy, you know, having to do all of your coursework online, especially when you have so many other, you know, adult responsibilities that you're having to manage work, career, schoolwork, family, you know, and chauffeuring, you know, all my kids to whatever activities it leaves and also my own professional, you know, leadership committees that I'm a part of, that I'm sure many are a part of, you know, we're having to carve out that slice of time to do our own professional learning and growth. It's challenging. You know, there's been many a tears (laughs) and late nights that I have, you know, been squashed under. It's a great example for your own children, though. I always think it is for everyone who goes through this program. It's a great example that they're setting for their kids of, you know, this isn't easy. 
we're making it work. It probably takes the entire family to make it work. But, you know, education is important and doing what you want to do, you know, what your dream is. If you have to get more education to do that particular job, then this is what you have to do. Yeah, this is the route that we have to we have to go through in yeah. order to, to reach that goal line. No, that's yeah. exactly it. Yeah. And that's probably... Sometimes, sometimes prospective students will contact me and they'll, you know, say things, well, I'm, I already have a full-time job or I've been hired on an emergency license and I have kids and I have this and that. And do you think this program would work for me? I'm like the, the program was built for you. That's who the program was made for. <laughs> Somebody who does have all that going on, but really has a, a dream of wanting to teach family consumer sciences. Yeah, no. And that's why, you know, Great Plans has worked out so great for me. And I really appreciated having that opportunity to to meet you and so many amazing other faculty members across the nation. I took a class in, I think was out of Texas, Texas Tech. Yeah. And I've had a class out of Virginia. I think it's amazing, you know, being able to connect with so many different university campuses along with, you know, faculty members that I otherwise would not even dream of, you know, setting foot on campus. Yeah. And having that, you know, in my professional leadership backpack is, you know, that is something special and unique. And that's the reason why I'm kind of promoting, you know, Great Plains through doing this podcast series, just because, you know, there's a lot of other people out there who are just like me who are thinking like, oh, I'm either that emergency cert and I now need to go through a program to get that. Or I'm just wanting to extend my own professionalism and wanting to get that master's degree to get the next pay bump. Right. Yeah. There's so much and there's so many amazing opportunities to connect using you know the Great Plains Interactive program. So yes, thank you for being a part of it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> like I said, it's been it's been great for me as a professional as well to have that network that I know I'm going to be talking to. And as that person who's the only FCS teacher educator in the state, having those, those contacts that I know I can, can rely on and that built strong relationships with. Yeah, no, I, I love it. No, this has been great. Thank you so much for you know being part of this conversation, because I think it's important to promote our classes, our content, but also to continue promoting our colleagues across the nation, you know, and and beyond trying to connect all of us to further promote what we stand for and our professionalism. Thank you for doing all you're doing to help promote the profession as well. No, I'm happy to. This is my passion project. Hopefully at some point I'll get a sponsorship. But in the meantime, you know, this is my baby and (laughs) I love networking. And so it's been an absolute pleasure getting to know you and and meeting you. And I hope to be partnering with you and for future projects. You too. That sounds great. All right. Well, thank you. And I hope you have a great rest of your day. Thanks. You too. Yeah, we'll talk to you soon. Thank you for joining me today at Connect FCS Ed. In this podcast, we boldly celebrate families and careers by providing inspiration, support, and resources for teachers, students, and families. If you could do me a quick favor, please leave me a five-star review on iTunes. 
My mission is to get this out in front of as many people as possible to help educate and inform the community that home economics is alive and well. Each week, I will choose one special person to win some Connect FCS Ed swag. So be sure to add your name to the review, and I will reach out to you if you're the winner. Thanks again for spending your time with me today, and be sure to visit me at fcspodcast.com for past episodes and more gifts to help spread the word that family and consumer science is today's home economics.